Welcome back to Talking Points, the podcast that shines a light on life in the performing arts. I'm your host, Claudia Lawson. Today we have our Season 3 bonus episode. I'm speaking again with the divine Dana Stevenson. Dana and I initially spoke about 18 months ago, and in that conversation we covered Dana's journey into the Australian ballet, managing her hypothyroidism and weight gain, we talked about promotions, meeting her now husband Lockie, becoming a mum, and returning to the stage. We'll pop a link to that conversation in the show notes, or you can scroll back through last season's conversations to find the episode. Today, Dana and I speak again, and this time it's to the newly retired Dana Stevenson, who, after 19 years with the Australian Ballet, farewelled Melbourne in front of her family, friends, and her three children about three months ago before finally farewelling the stage in London with a performance at the Royal Opera House, the home of the Royal Ballet. In this hugely inspiring episode, we reflect on the depth and the bravery of Dana's postnatal depression after the birth of her twins, how she returned to the stage as a mum of three and clawed back both her confidence and sense of self. But we also talk about the struggles of juggling tour life with Lockie and her three children and how she came to the decision to retire before finally turning to her thoughts for the future. Just quickly interrupting this episode to let you know that Season 3 of Talking Points is sponsored by Energetics. Energetics specialise in creating sustainable, world-class dancewear for the stars of tomorrow – Perform and feel your best at every stage of your dance journey in Energetics premium high-performance fabrics. Try them out with a 20% discount for all Talking Points listeners using the code DANA20 at the checkout. Shop their extensive range online at energetics.com.au or for our US listeners, it's energetics.com. T's and C's apply. Hello, Dana. Hi. <laughs> Both had a bit of an adventure to get here today. We have. We have. We've sort of demonstrated mum life. It is. Yeah. It's quite a good demonstration today. Yeah. But also, you know, it comes together. It comes together. You are newly retired from the Australian Ballet and I want to get to that, but I guess what I wanted to do first is wind back to our conversation 18 months ago because we touched on it just at the end of our interview, but you had two 16-month-old twin girls, you had a six-year-old boy, and you had just (laughs) returned to the stage. And I felt like we really made light of what that was (laughs) as an achievement. (laughs) And Mm. I just wondered now that you're another 18 months on from that. It must seem like the biggest of achievements to have made it back, back to the stage. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting you've brought that up because I find it really hard to acknowledge that something's difficult. And so even getting back to the stage, which was, was kind of unexpected, as I explained, mm. it was just day by day. And then with work and time and a lot of management, I found myself on stage again. <laughs> It's just quite incredible. Which is quite incredible. Mm. And I think it's really hard when you're in it to fully grasp Mm. the magnitude of that. Mostly it's just a lot of organisation to make all of those things happen. But 
I am really proud of that and even more so now I've retired and I've had a bit of time to think about that. Yes. Um, not just the end that just happened but that kind of little extra beginning where it started again. Yes, because you weren't only just really rehabilitating your own body after a twin pregnancy. Mm. You'd come out of COVID so you mm. hadn't seen anyone. The mm. girls hadn't really seen anyone. Mm. I think you even said that Jasper was in a different state mm. during some of those lockdowns. Yeah. And then you somehow managed to sort of negotiate all the juggling that is required to then mm. also, you know, dance with the national company. Yeah. It's quite remarkable, really. It, yeah, it is, it is remarkable. It's no small feat. And I am really proud, but it took a lot of energy and... I have lots of energy to give and in dancing that's something I think I can bring especially. Every day I seem to have lots of energy to give. So the dancing part was easy. Was it really? It was easy and I just, I think by that point too, I just had to trust what I could do mm. and what I could bring and everything was lastminute.com. <laughs> I'd get to the theatre, like people... People would watch me and I know they would just watch me and think, oh, my gosh, what is she doing? But also equally they were, people always say, I just don't know how you're doing this. And like I said, once I walked into the theatre or once I walked into class, I just could do that part because the rest involved not just logistics and there was many logistics, touring with three children, one's at school, my husband travels and tours at the same time, not in the same places as us. Um, moving to Sydney for seven weeks at a time. I mean, where like where do the girls go? Did your mum travel with um, you? So when we had the girls and I started back at work and mm -hmm. it was post-COVID and it's yes. only, I feel like a lot of people could agree with this, it's only now with even more distance from COVID you can recognise that was a really hard time, obviously. Yeah. But then, like you said, the part that came after COVID was very vulnerable and mm. very raw and mm -hmm. finding your feet in so many ways. And socially for me, that was a big thing in the company to be amongst so many people again. Yeah. And the girls weren't used to people. So yes. their early years have been incredibly different to Jasper's. Yes. And then that has very much informed my life obviously as a mother but my working life as well it was a lot of energy and there was a lot of people that needed to help me and so there's a weight with that mm. there's a lot of compromises and there's a lot of people putting their lives on the line or on hold to help you dance mm. so you really better enjoy that dancing and I did mm. absolutely 100% every single day which is something I'm really happy for because I've retired so happy and content but we had a nanny for the girls in mm -hmm. Melbourne and then she toured with us as well. Amazing. And she is the most amazing person and she's like Mary Poppins. And she was someone for the girls and for Jasper that we needed so much to make it work and it was never going to be for very long, which is how I managed to justify it each day. Mm. But the hardest part was that my my twins, especially one, she's she's really sensitive and she doesn't handle it very well. Yeah. She just really finds the change and the coming and going and not knowing who's there that day and mummy's there in the morning, then she goes and she comes back and then she goes to the 
the show oh, that I night. See. There's so much back and forth. So I was always weighing up what's worth it. You really have to enjoy what you're doing and feel like it's worthwhile in the bigger picture. Mm. You said the dancing part was the easy part. So once you had had Jasper and the girls, suddenly that becomes the the really simple part? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's like the gift of motherhood really in in maybe a lot of elite professions, but I I particularly think in ballet it's it's something that is so self centered and so selfish in some ways and you're obsessed about yourself and how you're feeling and um, how you're managing your body and what's mm. coming up and what's coming up tonight, what's tomorrow and what do I need to eat for this? And it, it's it's very self-absorbed for a really great goal that then once you become a parent, it's very much not about your needs. You need to find them in there somewhere yeah. <laughs> sometimes, once a month. But it's it's not about you anymore, which releases the pressure and it it opens up artistically just a trust and a confidence in what you can do. You might always not make the right decision. You know, you're on stage and you come up and you're like, oh, that was that was maybe not the right decision <laughs> in the moment. But you're really comfortable in the moment. You're really confident in the moment. And I think it makes it really exciting and it brings so much life to your performances. And people, people say that. And I think because the rest of my life had to be so incredibly structured, that was the freedom for sure, especially after the girls. Yeah. The other thing that I really thought, I thought at the time we'd really explored it, but when I listen back, similar to how you just said about COVID, Mm. how it's only with a bit of hindsight that actually the gravity of how much we all didn't see each other and Mm. the influence on the world that that's had, but was your postnatal depression. I mean, you know, we we said the word out loud and we were like, oh, like so hard to come back to the stage after that. But to go through postnatal depression with twins and another child in a global lockdown, mm. I just felt we didn't give it enough weight or at least maybe I didn't give it enough weight to to say to you like, what an achievement to come mm. to come through that. And now I think you've spoken about it possibly more openly than 18 months ago. Mm. And I just wondered if you had any any thoughts on that about, you know, your journey at that time. Um, I'm really grateful for dancing and what ballet could do to help me come back to a version of myself mm. that I could then keep moving forwards. Ballet did save me at that point. It was an anchor when I was extremely lost in a very unusual, awful mindset that I look back on now with even more hindsight and I think, oh gosh, you just, you judge yourself so harshly for having that problem. Other mothers don't seem to have this problem. They, you know, they're loving their babies and they're loving it, most of it, or they can get through the day without crying or they can feel capable to leave the house with their own children why am I so incapable? What's wrong with me? But with, with even more distance, it's, it's because your mind is not your own. And I think being an elite athlete or an elite dancer, you're well-versed in the mental game and the mental chat and the mental pickups you need to do all the time. And it's resilience. And it's not just every now and then you pick yourself up. It's the daily mental game. So I felt even less capable 
even though I, I felt like I had oh, I experience see. in the area, I should know how to Oh, I keep see, going. like you had this, you already had the skills. Like yeah, how, how or can some I not? Version, yeah. Some version of awareness of controlling like not your headspace but being able to self-talk yes yeah in situations that are highly stressful but I wasn't in my own Mm. mind because hormonally when you're in that place with postnatal depression you're not in that place so I can say that now oh I could have been so much nicer to myself and you know I could have just celebrated the small wins and but it just wasn't like that so I was grateful to be able to go back to ballet to a space that was familiar and it gave me time to myself and it gave me some physical energy that I know now from that experience is really helpful for me. And now I've retired as hard as it is to fit in with young children. I know how important exercise is for me because I'm biologically wired to need it and it helps me feel much more capable, tolerant in so many ways. Um, And that obviously helped me at that time, but now I've retired. It's something I have to fit in. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I remember you also said something so interesting at the time and possibly I didn't understand it fully. You said, I think it was the ballet master. She said, you just go in and you just do class. Mm. And you said, I didn't socialize Mm. at all. Mm. I just went in and did class and that was my therapy. Mm. And I just wondered over that 18 months, did that then lift that you Mm. were able to sort of, I guess, assimilate like back into that sort of socialization? Yeah. Yeah, it did. Something I think is really important is that sense of belonging. And I think when I first started back, I was so lost but I had a fragment of I belonged here. I have belonged here for some years and this was where my professional life was and I, over time, that feeling of belonging grew even more again. So my sense of place, um, I felt like I belonged at the ballet again and that a part of me was alive again. And then as I got more well again and things kind of came into balance, then I could yeah, assimilate more into company life. But I also knew it was the last years, year, years of spending time with people who mattered to me so much because I knew the end would be coming soon for myself and others as well. It then became just a really special time of like our last year at school or something, (laughs) knowing that that it was just time to really soak it up. Wow. Mm. And were you able to talk with people in the company? I mean, there's a few mums, Mm. actually quite a few mums at the Australian Mm. Ballet who absolutely have come back and managed that sort Mm. of dual life. Mm. Were you able to to share your story or it's not until it's come out in other forms? Um, I think with the mums, we are quite open with each other and that is such an important support network in that environment because Mm. it is such a unique juggle. But we were such a team. We knew what it took to get in class that morning. Yes. And you could just look across the bar and you just know what that morning was. <laughs> and, you know, it was meltdowns, traffic, you know, forgot the school lunch or, you know, all of those things. And you walk into the room and a lot of the young dancers have probably been there since 8.30 in the morning doing all the really good things for them. <laughs> Perfect <laughs> and, breakfast. And just all the, walk, so much taking care of themselves. <laughs> But I used to be really proud I did that too, but I would usually walk in 
right on 10.30, if not two minutes late. And I hate being late. And as a mother, it's something you have to accept. But I just, I get very anxious being late. But I had to just get used to that if I was two minutes late, I was two minutes late and no one really cared and the teacher would always just smile at me and the whole room would just smile. (laughs) And then, you know, but if I didn't have my coffee, it wasn't even worth coming to class. So they knew I'd taken that extra two minutes to get my coffee downstairs (laughs) so I could pick something up in class. And then, yeah, it's people joke about me with my little blue diary, but it's it's so true that the way I got through a lot of that was I had my blue diary and whenever I got into class in bar, like how you start like class. We're talking a paper diary. Oh, yes. Like, like a, an A5 yeah. kind of. Oh, like noted. a day-to-day diary. Day-to-day. Yeah. Okay, week of page. Fe- <laughs> yeah, filled, absolutely filled every week. And whenever I got to bar to start class and we'd start plies, Every exercise, that's when my brain would just flood with all the things I had to do, school forms, things for the girls, touring, flights, everything would just flood me at bar because it was my first moment to stop. And if I didn't write it down, I just, I was too anxious and it wouldn't get done. So between every exercise, (laughs) I was always writing things down. And it's, you know, ballet is a very disciplined art form and you have a lot of respect for your teacher and you don't walk in late and... you always always look what they're doing. You're picking out the exercise. And I had to just accept that this is how life was. And I think very fortunately, the ballet staff were very accepting of me. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. It's so crazy. But the other mums, like they just get it. That's how it is. Yeah, that's how it is. Mm. So you go back for 18 months. Mm. You've said a couple of times you knew it was only going to be for for a short time. And I think you said last time, you said, this was always my bonus chapter Mm. because you're right. Like a twin pregnancy is a big pregnancy, even as a second pregnancy. Mm. When did the thoughts of retirement start to creep in? Well, I guess, yeah, there was always an awareness starting back that I'd be finishing. So it it evolved over time. Very fortunately in those 18 months, those last 18 months, I did a lot of new work as in works that I had not done before. Oh, I see. So rep wasn't sort of turning up again. So I was very energised by the energy in the the company and um, the talent, but the work that was pushing us. So my body still felt good. So I, I thought like, let's just keep going as long as I can. So if I was to stop when I stopped loving dancing, Mm -hmm. I would never stop. I just love dancing and I love it like I did when I was little. I loved it like I did as a teenager. I loved it like I did 10 years ago. It's just never changed. That's really probably only grown. You are like lighting up (laughs) as you say that. I mean, you can just see the joy and the love. It's just it's the most incredible feeling and I think by the end when you are dancing in a way that feels really unique to you and very it felt very free to dance like myself by the end which I think probably is the ultimate goal really that any dancer could want to get to that point um there's lots of roles you want to do but to have that feeling of autonomy about how you're dancing and Whether that's everyone's taste or not, I didn't mind that people liked or didn't like what I was doing. 
I was very accepting that there's room for everyone and it it doesn't matter if people love what I'm doing or not. But it did start to wear me down, I think, that by the end of last year, so like by the Christmas kind of season, Mm -hmm. I was pretty exhausted. So I'd done a full year by Mm -hmm. that point. So you came back to the stage, I think, December December. 2021. So by December 2022. Yeah. And... Like I said, it was an awesome year of work and I there was never a dull moment. I toured everywhere and it, it's a, a liberating feeling to be like, I'm making this work and this is happening. Mm-hmm. But then on the, on the break, I was very exhausted and you realise that you haven't had a lot of time or energy for anyone else. So do you guys break sort of just before Christmas? Yeah. So you have about three, four weeks off. Okay. It's still um, not a huge break after a year of touring. No. Particularly how heavily the Australian Ballet perform and tour. Yeah, it's, yeah. So there's a big come down and it takes a couple of weeks even into that break to kind of just find your holiday self. Mm. Um, we'd had a bit of a tricky Sydney season the, the last season of that year, which is like a seven-week season. And that one's always tricky when you have a child at school like I do with Jasper because it doesn't fit into school holidays. So he's in Melbourne the whole time at school with his dad. It means I go a long time without seeing him, like four, sometimes five weeks. Yeah, I I have to go to bed every night thinking, okay, so this is... This is the sacrifice. Is it? Is it worth it? Yeah. Lockie's away touring. I'm there a lot by myself, and he's not seeing his kids either because I'm still in the ballet. So, by that point in time, it's starting to wear a little bit. And you're right. If he was at school in Sydney and you yeah. came home in the mornings or in the afternoons, and you had that sort mm. of time, of course. So you know, most mums these days work. Yeah. So that's that's is the 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 reality of the juggle, but mm. in different states mm. with the performing hours mm. and and the you very know, late nights. Yeah, that does make it tricky. Yeah, and yeah, one of our twins, like I've said, <laughs> she's gonna hate this when she's older, but she she is really sensitive, and so that particular season, every time I came home, she was crying, exhausted, screaming, wanting mummy, but not wanting mummy, screaming when I was there, screaming when I left. You're you're thinking, okay, is this really what it's meant to be? And for her especially. Um, So then I looked at the year ahead and it became really obvious to me. I wanted to know when I was retiring for myself, I wanted to know that I could make the call. You look at a year's rep and you you hope to do certain things, but nothing's certain and it doesn't matter what rank you are, nothing is a given. And the disappointment of not getting things or I looked ahead further and you see something like Swan Lake come up and I thought, okay, so I'm not called a ballet so I can't be a core swan. Is that right? I didn't know that. So if you're not called a ballet. uh, I think usually soloists down do the core and I've done so many Swan Lakes, different versions many, many times and I love the ballet and I think being a part of that is incredibly special but I knew I wouldn't get cast in that and then I probably wouldn't get cast as a big swan because I'm maybe not tall enough. Maybe I would have but it, it was not guaranteed and I thought, hang on, a Swan Lake season's coming up. I might not even be in the Swan Axe and you think, okay, is that the experience 
I personally want and I thought So say if really. you don't get cast, are you still having to travel to Sydney for oh, the tour? Yes. yes, and I'd be I would have been in other acts. Um, the Act 1 and Act 3, but mm-hmm. I thought, do I really want to be in a Swan Lake season but not be a swan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that didn't really sit with me. Also, the end of the year touring-wise was going to get extremely hectic. And so then you'd have that again seven sort of plus yeah. weeks away from Jasper again. Yeah, but it would have been Adelaide and Brisbane and Sydney. So I could see the toll it was taking on a lot of people um, around me and I'm very dedicated and I'm very resilient but it's hard when you can see it affecting everyone else Mm. um because yeah it's someone had said to me years ago that there can only be one star in a relationship and obviously they were joking because when I was with obviously when I met Lockie and they were like well he's the star obviously (laughs) which he is (laughs) who said that (laughs) no no no, but like he's the star like someone has to be the one that's at home all the time and someone has to be the stable, you know. That's an interesting take on it, isn't it? Yeah. Like to have two people that tour, mm. two people on stage. But different schedules. But not different. touring together, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he has only ever supported me in doing what I needed to do and I'm not a star of the Australian Ballet and I'm not a principal. Well, I've been there a long time. people would, they would agree with that. <laughs> no, but I, I'm... I was a really important valued member that had given a lot of my life to that company very happily. Mm-hmm. Um, but how you weigh that up against, you know, Lockie Turing and him doing something really important too. So so w- you were senior artist, so it mm. sits one below principal. So mm. very, very senior in the ranks, mm. but not that final rank. Yeah. Which actually so few people, we actually spoke yeah. just briefly about that before, yeah. but very few people make. Yeah. I think we did really well to manage two really demanding touring schedules Mm -hmm. for so long, actually. Um, But it became really clear I wanted to make the call and I didn't want that call to be made for me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want it to be made for me through casting where you start to question, oh, normally I would have done that, but they didn't put me in that. Are they tell, trying to tell me something? Oh, I see. I thought, no, I see, I've yeah. had such a, I've had such a good time and I've been, I felt so respected and so valued. That's really important whenever I finish that I have, I take that with me and I, I can dance with that, that feeling the yes. last, for my last shows. So I, I start, I looked at the year and I thought, okay, well, let's, let's try do the first six months of the year. Jules was, um. I wanted to do my last shows in Melbourne um, and Jules was coming up and I'd never done Jules. The company hadn't. It was new. Um, there was rubies I was cast in and diamonds and it's a pretty amazing ballet. <laughs> um, it was so suited to you also, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> like it really had the pizzazz and the personality yeah. and it's just such a beautiful, bright ballet. So... I think that's, that is how it works. I think sometimes these, you can actually recognise, okay, this is what it's meant to be. I I was incredibly anxious before my last shows. Were you? Because you think I'm going to get injured and then this all won't happen. I mean, there was, there's sort of been the great Australian ballet resignation of 2023. (laughs) So like Adam Paul was saying very similar thing. You know, you just suddenly think, oh my goodness, I've only got this many shows. Please don't get injured. Please don't get injured. And so many people are coming to watch that really matter to you. Yes. 
Um, that was that was the big one because I I chose to finish in Melbourne, and I I was able to dance Rubies that night as well as Diamonds Demi Solis with Chris Rogers Wilson, who's my dearest friend and the who's best also, partner who's who also left, who was retiring mm. as well. So. That was really important to us and his family was there and all of my family. So that that's what it becomes at the end. It's it's actually your way of saying thank you and you really want to make it to that show. <laughs> They'll forgive you anyway, but you just... Um, and I had said we, we were touring to London mm-hmm. for um, Jules after that um, and that was whether or not I was able to do that or not. So mm-hmm. when I, I told David um, Holberg in February, I actually told him before a matinee show, I'd planned to save it for a bit longer, um, but I'd had a really, really bad week with juggling it all yes. and I had to leave the dress rehearsal one night because there was stuff going down and I just, and he was like, yeah, go, that's fine because you're meant to stay and watch the dress rehearsal. And I said, I'm really sorry, I have to go home. I've got to sort something out. And I just thought this is why I actually need to tell people because I actually need the support, which I knew I had, but I actually needed them to know that it's actually getting really hard mm. to manage it all. And I don't like saying things are hard, but it was it was just true. It was just getting really hard. How did David respond? Um, he was like, okay, well, okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. So I think he thought like at the end of the year, so he kept talking for a bit. I said, oh, so in this was in, say, February, March and I said, oh, so in July, he's like, oh, okay, that's soon. Okay, right. <laughs> um, but he was incredibly supportive and he, he, you know, he very kindly said, you know, I was never, I would never have made that decision for you, um, meaning that's not something I was expecting. Um, I'm really happy for you that you've come to that point to, mm. you know, realise that. Yeah, on your own terms. Yeah. And, yeah. And it was such a relief actually. Was it? Yeah, it was a, such a relief to just put it out there and it trickled through the staff and then it trickled through the company and it was a relief to know there was an end in sight to the, the logistical madness. Mm. You know, I didn't, I wasn't sleeping. It, I was a machine mm. for a long time there and I knew in myself I had to jump off the treadmill because it wasn't healthy Long-term, it's not good and you're not nurturing a lot of other aspects of your life and mm. I knew that and I felt like I got that bonus in and, you know, it was it was time to, to call it. You sort of had the most perfect um, end in Melbourne. Mm. You didn't get injured. No. And then <laughs> Lockie and the girls and Jasper mm. came on stage at the end. There's the most beautiful video <laughs> of them, <laughs> you know, coming to greet you at the end of end of the show. I mean, was that just the most, I don't want to say closure, because it's the wrong word, but it was what you were speaking to before. You want to get to that moment to have a performance to say thank you Mm. and you want it to have that sort of beautiful ending Mm. and not sort of hobble off on Mm. crutches 10 days earlier. Mm. Yeah. Was it just so beautiful to have them walk on the stage? Yeah, it, it was so special and everyone wants something different at the end and some people don't want anything at all. They'd prefer to just have nothing and I think, the, the Australian Ballet has really respected what everyone has needed and that night was very special because there was five of us retiring and I think from the outside it could look like, oh, there's 
that's quite a lot of people leaving. <laughs> but actually it 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 was about celebrating people who had mm. devoted their their life to the company and were moving on mm. in a really natural progression sort yeah. of way. But yeah, I I really wanted my family to come on stage and Lockie had shows in Geelong that day. It was a very busy day. <laughs> <laughs> you had to drive back and the girls oh were in a hotel. But the logistics of even that day, they were in a hotel in Southbank and our nanny had them and then she brought them over. And like, I was even watching night. going like, oh, gosh, like three-year-olds at 10 p.m. Like managing that is a lot of, it you could have had a real meltdown. It could have gone stage. so many ways. <laughs> but like obviously it was so special but I just, I especially Jasper, because mm. it's been so much of his life. Yes. And when I told him I was retiring earlier, he cried. Did he? He said, mummy, I don't want you to retire. Did he really? Yeah. He said, I really like, I really like going to the ballet. Can we still go there and see our friends? What is he, eight? He's eight now, but he, he's been around it for so long. And I think because I was on my own with him for a few years there, especially he, I'd have to bring him in from daycare and he'd be in rehearsals at the back and, again, it's his temperament. He he likes meeting people um, and someone would always play with him and it was a really safe, beautiful space for him. So I think when I said I was leaving, oh, I for him it was a massive deal because it was saying goodbye to a really special place for him. Yes, that's so interesting. So when he walked on especially and he was just so proud and once the curtain came down he just sat there playing with my earring and my crown and just he was he was really in awe of the whole situation. Wow. Very, very memorable I think for him and that meant a lot to me too. Mm. And that he'll have that memory mm. now as an eight-year-old. Yeah. Donna, did you ever think you would make principal? No. Why not? It wasn't, that wasn't my destiny. I knew that wouldn't be, um, it wouldn't be my place. I think I got promoted to soloist and that was like getting to my principal for me. And then a few years later I was promoted to senior artist and so that was beyond truly what I could ever conceive of where I could get to in a national ballet company. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think I was just that person who was always there and, was happy to do all the work and I just wanted to do it all and I never saw myself in that light and I was really okay with not seeing myself like that. That was for other people. And so becoming senior artist, was that like the bonus? It was a bonus, yeah. Wow. Yeah. We we sort of just touched on this before but why do you think David McAllister made that promotion? Um, I think I'd done a lot of years of a lot of work and I wasn't that old at the time. (laughs) I felt like I, I, I guess he saw I deserved that title for the work I was doing, but also perhaps the culture I helped to create in terms of being there, showing up, doing the work. Um, And I always say, I said this in my retirement speech that every day you make a choice and you make a choice to be there. And you can, you know, it can be hard, you can complain, but every day you make a choice to be there and you honour that choice by turning up and giving your energy in the best way that you can. When you walk on stage, it's em- it was empty and you walk on stage oh, and you, you bring your energy and that stage lights up with what you're bringing and 
I think I was acknowledged in that way because that was what I was able to bring the company. This is a very cheeky question. <laughs> why, why is everyone retired this year? I think it's just a natural progression of ballet companies and I think a lot of people were at a point most likely that their life needed to shift in a certain way. It needed to open up to other opportunities. I don't think it's contagious. <laughs> <laughs> but is it exhausting at a sort of late stage in your career to sort of re-energise for a new artistic director in the sense that you don't know who the new muses will be or what the new yeah. taste might be? Like is it hard to kind of, <laughs> I don't know, like almost, you know, re-bring that like I'm here to impress energy. Yeah. I think at the beginning it it probably was. And I started in a bit later into David's tenure. So I felt a little bit like I had to catch up. Um, but equally I felt more confident because I was older and had come from a lot of experience that I could only be me and that was what I had to offer. So I think it does take energy, but it also there is a great energy there at the moment. And David brings a very exciting vision and the repertoire is amazing. The opportunities for everyone are amazing. So it's, for me, I can talk only for myself really, the lifestyle of the company and touring takes its toll over years and I think a lot of people get to a certain point where they they want to open up their lives to a lot of other possibilities um, and it's a natural progression to kind of want to move on to that. Yeah, I feel like the 22-year mark this year has been made by so many of them, yeah. Adam Poole, Amber Scott, yeah. now Amy Harris. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a real new, um, it's like a changing of the guard there. It is. And it's in a really lovely way, it's time for other people to take over mm. as well. I was really conscious of not overstaying my welcome and also it's time for other people to take up that space and to take their energy into that mm. and the company to grow into that new space, I think. Yeah, it was just, it just happened to be the right time <laughs> for a lot of people this year. You have subsequently moved to Brisbane. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Talk about like the logistics. You've moved up here. The girls are here. Lockie's here. Jasper's here sometimes. Not quite yet. Not quite yet. Yeah. Mm. Big headspace change, mm. new home, new state, mm. new identity. Mm. What's, I mean, it's been three months nearly. Mm. What's it been like? It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> in a nutshell, it's really good. Once I'd kind of made the decision to retire in my own mind over that Christmas break, it actually just opened up so much possibility. Okay, what next? And I knew this, but until you've made the call, it was like we could make choices about other things because the ballet actually was the thing. Oh, the sort of like centrepiece. Yeah, the centrepiece. Yeah. So it was, okay, so where will we live and what should we do? Um, I'm from Brisbane. All my family's here. Lockie's from Brisbane. All his family's he? here. Yeah. Oh, so okay. we'd talked about for years doing this, but it was always, well, when we stopped the ballet, then we could look at it. Um, so yeah, it all fell into place over that six months once I knew I was retiring. So 
we saw a house up here we liked and then we went back to Melbourne and I, we had to sell that house. Like so this is all in the six months. <laughs> so then we had to get it ready for sale. So I was like, you know, gurneying the the house down <laughs> in my like breaks. It was a very wild six months. The blue diary was yeah, just the blue, that's it was yeah, it was, you know, fixing up things. It was an example of how I couldn't continue to live like that. And a lot changed really quickly. We went to London after my Melbourne shows and I'm so glad I got to do that. Um my mum was there on tour, which was really special because she's been there through everything and she's given up so much of her life to help me do this. She's toured everywhere with me to look after the kids and it's time now for me to give my time and energy to her and to other people and that's a massive reason why I stopped, not because I don't love dancing. I always will. I could keep physically doing it but I just, I need to give that energy to other people now. I mean, the Royal Opera House stage to finish your yeah. final performance yeah. in London. I mean, it's just so delicious and, yeah. you know, just like what an ending. I mean. It's it's a very special stage mm. and I've performed around the world and I've never performed there. The company haven't been there for 35 years. It was so special and I, I knew because it was the end but it, it is a very, it has a very beautiful feeling in that theatre. It's very friendly. Um, just the shape of the auditorium and the stage is so beautiful and just so much history. And we were dancing jewels, so I did diamonds over there. And I said this in my speech at the end, you know, you just don't know when your last thing might be. So every single second I was on that stage, I was dancing my little heart out, you know, in the tech call when... Everyone was marking it and it was just done and just jumping around because, you know, I, if that was it and I didn't get the next day, then oh, I, I wanted see. to make sure that. So I really got every last second out. But then the last, last show was a gala show and we did a section from Justin Peck's Everywhere We Go, which we'd done a year previously, which was really nice to finish on. And then I did lead Fandango in the Don Quixote section, which I've done a lot in my career and it was it was a very fitting finale but then we flew back and flew back to Melbourne saw Jasper for a couple of days mm -hmm. and drove our car up to Brisbane and then started life up here to unpack the house and I expected this very fresh start feeling I didn't really factor in I would be entirely exhausted and burnt out not just from London but from the past two years mm. at least so I was as mentally prepared for a massive transition as I could be and I thought it was best to rip the Band-Aid off straight away, um, which was new state, new house, with family around though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I knew I would feel really lonely in Melbourne if I was there and Lockie works in Sydney but he tours a lot so I'd spend a lot of time by myself there too. So we thought it was best that I was in Brisbane with the kids and getting settled and but, yeah, I was exhausted. So <laughs> it was the first six weeks were were tricky and lots of things come up, but I I was ready for it as much as I could be. What do you mean, like, lots of things came up? In your headspace or yes. just, yeah, okay. Yeah. I think I have, I still have no regrets about anything, but I just think it, 
once you have the time and space, it, it kind of floods your head space about what you've done or where you're at now, or where you're going. And it's a very wobbly time and it will be for some years. I'm very much in the start, very beginning of it and very accepting of that. Mm. And I think from the outside it was, I was like, oh, it's new and new house and like wh- yeah. where are you going to decorate it? I could have filled my void with lots of new wonderful things and I was almost the opposite I was so resistant I said to my mum so many times I said no this is my time to feel it and so if I'm not happy I'm not happy and if I if I'm lost I'm lost I was just very accepting perhaps my previous experience with the postnatal depression and other times in my life I knew that you can't avoid this bit Oh, I see. So you have to sit in it. You have to sit in it. You can't, like, yes, it's nice to go get a new couch for your house, but it doesn't solve anything. Mm. It doesn't fix the fact that massive things have just changed for you. Mm. Only time does that. And I was so almost the other way resistant. I refused to get anything new. (laughs) I was just like, no, this is my time to sit in it. And to sit in the experience of being at home with the kids as Mm -hmm. well, which is not easy. No. Mm-mm. Three-year-olds, <laughs> no, not easy. I actually felt like I had to earn my kids' trust for Did a bit you? there. Yeah, we we talk about all-day mummy because my girls have said for a long time, especially Lulu, she's like all-day mummy, all-day mummy. She just wants all-day mummy, oh, and that means you're not going anywhere, anywhere today. And so then I I I was all-day mummy, but she couldn't really trust that that was happening. She was waiting for me to go all the time. So mm. she was on edge a lot and really clingy. And, you know, that's when they're the moments where you think, oh, I used to just go and dance and that was easy. But now it, but in a really lovely way, I knew that this is what I needed now, this time with them mm. and actually building this relationship with all of them and learning about them more than I could have when I was dancing and not missing it before it's too late. Mm. It's such a difficult balance and I don't think anyone ever has it. Are there any like kernels of, you know, when the girls are at school or, oh. you know, <laughs> what, will, what will Donna Stevenson do then? Oh, yeah. I mean, at the moment I'm guesting in the company. Oh, yes, Swan that's right. Lake, so the retirement is, isn't real. The retirement of three months. Um so the company is here at the moment in Brisbane doing Swan Lake and they emailed me a couple of weeks ago. I was cooking dinner and <laughs> it has taken some time to wind into my new rhythm of life and at the moment if I go to the shops with the girls and get groceries and then we go home, that's like our day. That's mm-hmm. one day done. And we do swimming lessons. And so I got this email from the ballet And it just took me so by surprise, even just reading the words, like, hello, like, um, we know what they said, we know it might be a little bit soon for you, but um, would you like to guest as the queen um, in Swan Lake when we tour in a few weeks? It was so bizarre reading something that would seem so normal not that long ago. It's like, oh, that's like a different world. And my career actually feels like at least five years ago and it's been three months, but I think it's it must be a version of like coping or um, mm. that they form such a distance because it's such a 
bubble and it's so hyped and it's yes. you're so in it and it's incredibly obvious when you're not in it anymore. Yes. It's it's so sudden. And I'd experienced that before with maternity leave, but it is so immediate and so sudden that you are no longer a part of it. So I think naturally you form some distance from mm. it as well. So when this opportunity came up, it felt like a time warp almost. And I took some time to consider doing it or not. Given that you said you really sort of forced yourself to sit in the, say, discomfort of the change, when you got that email, was it like, oh, hang on, now I'm the discomfort that I'm aiming to sit in it doesn't really exist and whoop, I can just well, flip it, back on. It was fascinating because I'm doing the Brisbane season currently and it's only a week and we're at home and the girls don't have to tour um, and our both Lockie's mum and my mum are having the girls and it's all manageable. Um, and they asked me to do a part of the Sydney season later in the year and it was so interesting to watch myself like outside of myself and so quickly I jumped straight back into, I can make this work. Okay, how can I make this work? And I was like, I looked at the dates, Lockie's in Sydney. Okay, he's got shows in Newcastle that day, Wollongong. That's a matinee. I'd need help for that. He'd be there for nights. Oh, he's got carols that night. He's got the carols rehearsal that night. Okay, they're going to be nights. Maybe mum could come for four days and then she could fly back immediately into the zone. Because I was ex- I was excited. Yeah. And it's it's lovely to be asked, mm. and I don't miss dancing, but it's nice to feel, I guess, like oh yeah, I could do that, and but also wanted, want, yeah, and appreciated, yeah. and it's so it was fascinating because I like I said I got this email cooking dinner, and so across cooking dinner, having dinner, getting the girls down, you know, across those four hours where I'd got to by the end. And by the end I'd got to, I'm really not sure about Sydney. <laughs> but it was amazing to watch the knee-jerk reaction. But it was actually like, do I need to do this? Yes. And it became really clear, no, I don't need to do mm. this. Saying no was a kind of stopping point. And like, no, this is going to disrupt our routine and our the rhythm and the lifestyle I'm working really hard actually to mm. create and the trust I'm building with the kids that mummy will be there and that I want to be there for their swimming Mm. lessons and I want to wake them up each morning and I I realized actually after six weeks that that was the longest time since I went back to dancing I'd put them to bed each night goodness so that's a real realization yeah Mm. and so I feel very happy with my decision and I'm in the right place but it's interesting when these little moments Mm. have come up to well not test but you know, so you can recognise actually where where you're at. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting what you said during the cooking dinner, the, the having the dinner, because that's playing out in your mind, but you're not having an adult conversation with anyone. And so you go through this whole <laughs> arc of like decision making in your head and mm-hmm. you've actually done all the processing and come out the other end. Yeah. And then, I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, the other adults in your life come in and this entire thing has happened and you've come to a decision and done all the logistics and planning and they're sort of at, you know, chapter one. Yeah. Oh, you got an email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I've already actually got to the end of it and we're all good. Yes, and I've already emailed them back. Yeah. And anyway, yeah. and that's not happening. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm just so thrilled for you. Yeah. It's just it's just been so wonderful. You know, you're so articulate with how 
you know, you process things and your journey. So we're just so grateful. And we now know that you will tour with the Australian Ballet if they're in Brisbane. <laughs> so if you want to see you in shows, we'll have to wait till the uh, domestic seasons in yeah. Brisbane. But, um, yeah, we just wish you and Lockie the best and the girls Thank and you. Jasper. And, um, yeah, we, we, you know, await the next chapter. Yeah, who knows? It's who an knows? open, It's an open book and that's... That's exciting for the first time in your life, really, from when you start dancing when you're three and and you just keep going because that's what you want to do. And then I'm 38 now and it's the next chapter starts. Wow. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you. Dana now lives in Brisbane and is settling into life with her husband Lockie and their three children. While she is newly retired from the Australian Ballet, Dana made a surprise appearance with the company in their Brisbane season of Swan Lake. You may catch her here and there as she continues to guest with the company. For Australian Ballet tickets and times, head to their website, australianballet.com.au, or you can find them on Instagram at ozballet. And to follow all of Dana's adventures, you can find her on Instagram at Dana underscore Stevenson. Dana and I met in Brisbane to record our conversation on the lands of the Turrbal and Jagera peoples. Talking Points is produced on the lands of the Gadigal and Awabakal peoples to whom we pay our greatest respects. For support for perinatal or postpartum depression or anxiety in Australia, you can find support through the Gidget Foundation, Panda or the Cope Foundation. We'll put their details in the show notes. Or for further abroad, please contact your local services. Talking Points is produced by Fjord Review. Remember to subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you like us, please leave a five-star review. Your host and producer is me, Claudia Lawson, with additional production by Penelope Ford and Clint Topic. Sound production and editing is by Martin Peralta at Output Media. And for the latest in all things dance, head to fjordreview.com.